Pack your bags, boys. We're switching leagues. This week on Bullpen. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Bullpen, the show where we take a look at teams gone by, but apply the rules that teams of today seem to go by, which usually means three bench players and a lot of relievers. But these teams come from an era, well, usually the era, where that wasn't really the case. In fact, a lot of the times we go back to the 80s where you usually had six or seven bench guys, depending on the league, and only five relievers you'd keep for most of the year. This week, though, we're going to take a look at a team from 1997 and a team from 2012. So the 2012 one will already be pretty close, but the 97 one might have a few options available for us. We're taking a look at teams that switched leagues, and we're going to look at their last year in their old leagues. Case in point, the 1997 Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers, of course, one of the two teams to play in the World Series in both the American and National League. Originally, they were part of the American League East, later the American League Central, and eventually the National League Central. When they switched leagues in 1998 to allow both the American and National League to get expansion teams, the then Tampa Bay Devil Rays and the current Arizona Diamondbacks. In case you're wondering, in 1997, the Milwaukee Brewers finished 78-83, coming in third place in the American League Central Division under the leadership of old scrap iron himself, Phil Gardner. They finished eight games behind Cleveland and two games behind the second-place Chicago White Sox. The everyday lineup, for the most part, for the Brewers included Mike Matheny behind the plate. Around the infield, Dave Nilsson listed as your first baseman, Fernando Vigna at second, Jose Valentin at short, and Jeff Cirillo at third. The outfield was, uh, well, two-thirds okay, one-third kind of a mess. Jack Voigt played a lot of time in left field, Gerald Williams played a lot of center field, and Jeremy Burnitz took over right field. Julio Franco was listed as the everyday DH, but, uh... According to this, he only played in 42 games. Six players off the bench scored over 100 at-bats, and if you expanded that down to 50, you could throw in four more. But you only get three bench spots on bullpen, so let's take a look at the backup to Mike Matheny behind the plate. Jesse Levis, the one-time Cleveland farmhand, got into 99 games on this team, but there were a few other guys. Kelly Stinnett also got into a handful of games behind the plate. In this case, though, I have to give it to Jesse Levis. He actually hit 285 that year with one home run and nine RBIs. Whereas Kelly Stinnett only got in 39 at-bats, but hit a not-too-horrible 250. Backup infielder on this team is kind of a slam dunk for Mark Loretta. He played in 132 games, bouncing between second, short, and third, hitting 287 with five home runs and 47 RBIs. John Jaha also got some time on this team as a backup first baseman in DH, but like we've said before, the era of the backup first baseman DH is kind of over. Jeff Houston also got into a handful of games, along with Antone Williamson, Eddie Diaz, and Tim Unroe. So Mark Loretta is easily your backup infielder, and your backup outfielder also pretty easy. It's got to be Matt Mieske, who played in 84 games that season, with five home runs, 21 RBIs, and a 249 average. Mark Newfield got into 50 games, but only hit 229. Todd Dunn, Darren Jackson, Brian Banks, Chuck Carr also got in some time in the outfield as well. But yeah, Matt Mieske, he could play all three spots, and he wasn't a bad backup outfielder, one of my favorite 90s backup outfielders. So there you go, the backups. Pretty easy on this team. Jesse Levis, Mark Loretta, and Matt Mieske. 
Now we got to expand that bullpen. Let's take a look at that pitching staff. The rotation had Cal Eldred, Scott Carl, Jose Mercedes, Jeff D'Amico, no, the other one, and Ben McDonald. Closer on this team was Doug Jones. Setup men included Bob Wickman, Bryce Flory, Mike Vetters, and Ron Valone. Joel Adamson actually got into 76 innings for this team off and on. Steve Woodard, Alberto Reyes, and Jimmy McAndrew also got some significant time up and down. They even had a few guys trying to hang on like Greg Hansel, Paul Wagner, and Pete Harnish, not to mention one-time Cy Young Award winner Mark Davis. So any of those guys could have got into the new 14-person bullpen this team would have, but did they have anybody on the farm who could have helped out rocketing back and forth? Well, if we look at the 1997 Tucson Toros, a few names do stand out. Ricky Bonus was down there and got into a fair amount of games, so was Blaz Minor. Aging Jason Grimsley and Tom Bolton were also available down there, along with one-time Dodgers prospect Jamie McAndrew. A few guys who never made the major leagues, uh, Frankie Rodriguez, a different one, there were a few of those guys, had a 440 ERA in 12 games, six of them starts with a 3-1 record. Jeff Huber also never made the major leagues, he had 40 appearances with a 3-7 record and a 474 ERA. If we look down to AA at the El Paso Diablos, you find a few more guys who eventually made the major leagues. Greg Mullins, Travis Smith, Horacio Estrada, and Valerio de los Santos, who actually... Did not have the greatest year down there. He went 6-10 and 10 with an ERA of 5.75. The aforementioned Frankie Rodriguez also was down there and had a 3.40 ERA and a 2-2 two two record. Jeff Huber also down there pitched very well as well, but neither of those guys would make it to the big leagues at any point in their careers. But in the 2019 era, I think they would have had a really good shot. Well, moving from the American League, moving to the National League, let's move to the National League, moving to the American League. And the last year, the Houston Astros called the National League Central their home. And that was in 2012. They would move in 2013 when they decided to have 15 teams in each league and balance out the schedules with continual interleague play. They were part of a 16 National League Central when there were 16 teams in the National League, and they finished dead last. I mean dead last. They were 55-107, and 107, finishing six games behind the fifth-place Chicago Cubs and 42 games behind the first-place Cincinnati Reds. In the not-as-good days for Houston, their lineup consisted of Jason Castro behind the plate for the most part, Carlos Lee at first base, Jose Altuve in one of his first seasons as the second baseman, Judd Lowry at short, and Chris Johnson at third. Outfield of J.D. Martinez, Jordan Schaefer, and Brian Busevic. They had nine players top 100 at-bats off that bench, and seven more top 50 at-bats. In fact, corner infielder Brendan Laird was the only position player to not get to 50 at-bats. He had 35. First things first, we need a backup catcher, and Chris Snyder had the bulk of time there with Jason Castro. Snyder played in 76 games, hit 7 home runs, 24 RBIs, but only a 176 batting average. Carlos Corporan was the only other catcher to appear on this team, and he appeared in 27 games, hitting 269 at age 28. So you could make the argument for Carlos Corporan being the everyday guy, but usually they like to go with a bit more experience behind the plate as a backup catcher. And even on a rebuilding team, I would think Chris Snyder gets that job pretty easily. Next up, we need a backup infielder, and there are a few options here. Brett Wallace, who could play first and third, a coach that doesn't help you up the middle very much, but Jed Lowry can play short and second if Jose Altuve needs a day off. Of course, what if Jed Lowry needs a day off? That's a whole other story. Scott Moore was also listed as a corner infielder, but even though he only hit 234, I have to give this job to Marwin Gonzalez, mainly because that guy can play everywhere. 
first, second, third, short, outfield. That guy can do it all. And that's and that season, he hit two home runs with 12 RBIs and a 234 average bouncing all around the team. The backup outfield on this team has to be Justin Maxwell, right? Even though he only hit 229, he had 18 home runs and 53 RBIs in 124 games. Fernando Martinez also made some appearances, as did Brian Barnes and Ben Francisco. Also, one-time Red Sox folk hero Steve Pierce appeared on this team at age 29, hitting 254 with no home runs and 8 RBIs. But I figure Justin Maxwell, even if he's not exactly lighting it up with the batting average, has got to be your backup. So you know, this isn't a great team and not really a great bench with Chris Snyder, Justin Maxwell, and a young but promising Marwin Gonzalez. What about the pitching staff on this team? Well, and Lucas Harrell was your number one starter. He went 11-11, and so give him credit for actually having a 500 record. The rest of the rotation consisted of Bud Norris, Jordan Lyles, Wandy Rodriguez, and J.A. Hopp, and Dallas Keuchel in his rookie season, splitting some time with Hop. Closer was Brett Myers, although Wilton Lopez also had 10 saves. Fernando Rodriguez Jr. was on this team along with Reiner Cruz and Wesley Wright. Fernando Abad also got into 46 innings on this team. They also got 36 innings out of Brandon Lyon and over 30 innings out of Mickey Story and Xavier Cedeno. So they had some options out of the bullpen, but did they have any options coming up through the minor leagues? Well, the 2012 Oklahoma City Redhawks had a few decent pitchers on their staff. A young Jared Cosart was on that team with a 260 ERA, along with a bunch of future major leaguers, including C.J. Fick, Jake Buchanan, Juan Abreu, Armory Rodriguez, Brian Bass, Garrett Mock, Henry Sosa, Enerio Del Rosario, Mark Hamburger, and Jose Cisnero. I mean, granted, these aren't household names, but they were future major leaguers. Ross Seaton appeared in four games. All of them starts, had an 0-1-1 record, but a 3.09 ERA in 23 innings. Never made the major leagues. Neither did Wes Musick, who had a 3.64 ERA in six starts. There were a few more future major leaguers at AA, but again, not household names. Guys like Josh Zide, Rob Rasmussen, Arsenio Leone, and Asher Wojciechowski. But they had a few guys down there who had okay seasons but never made the majors, like Jason Stoffel, who went 2-1 with a 2.33 ERA. Alex Sogard went 3-1 with a 3.86 ERA. And Matt Heidenreich also 3-1 with a 3.93 ERA in eight starts. In the modern day, even just four, five, six years later, those guys maybe get the call as they're cycling through relievers like crazy. And that's a look at the last two teams to switch leagues, the Milwaukee Brewers and Houston Astros tonight on Bullpen. Hope you enjoyed this little look. Got some disagreements with who should have made up the bench or a few guys I might have not mentioned in the minors or majors in that bullpen. You can reach out to me through anchor.fm where this podcast is hosted and also Listen to it on other formats like Spotify. Next week, a look at the life and end times of Carlton Fisk. We'll look at his last team with Boston and then his last team with Chicago as one of the few players to only wear two pairs of socks in his major league career. Until then, thanks for listening to Bullpen. All statistical and roster information, courtesy baseballreference.com.